Welcome to the Canine PT Academy Podcast. Business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapists. Introducing your host, Dr. Francisco Maya. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this world. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Canine PT Academy Podcast podcast business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapists. So today we're going to wrap up our series of interviews with other canine rehab therapists. I hope you guys have been uh, finding this helpful, but we're not done with the interviews. Next week we're actually going to come back with a really awesome interview that we have recorded with Kristen Smith, who actually uh, uh, has been working with me on uh, optimizing Google for our clinic since uh, uh, 2019. So we've been working together now for uh, four years okay four years and we're gonna dive deep into google business and how to make that work for your business in canine rehab okay but just a quick household item i should be able to be sharing very soon some very cool stuff that we have coming up in march stay tuned for that should be sharing more information next week but jill our marketing coordinator myself have some really neat stuff coming up okay and then also as i have asked already over the last couple episodes we are going to do a q a episode but i need your questions okay so please follow the link on the show notes and submit your questions. You can write your name on the questions, uh, uh, but I'm not gonna share your name on the podcast. We are gonna keep anonymously, but you can even just send anonymously so you don't have to share. The only reason I ask for the name is so I can follow up with you uh, uh, off air afterwards and make sure that I have answered your question, okay? But today, as a guest, we're gonna have Dr. Kelsey Jonas with K9PT and me in Portland, Oregon. And I titled uh, uh, this episode, Starting and Growing a Canine Rehab Business Through COVID for a reason, okay? And it was because uh, Kelsey actually did her CCRT internship at the Canine PT with me literally the last week of February. So then she opened her business once she was done with her CCRT a few weeks later in March of 2020, and we all know what happened in March of 2020. Okay, but of course, there was a lot of takeaways uh, uh, from her story, from her journey. And uh, one of them is the fact that she actually did not expect to become a business owner, but have found herself in that situation if she wanted to treat patients her own way, the way she thought it was best to do so. You know, and I think that's very important to remember that not all rehab is the same. And it is something that even when we're talking about marketing and how do you educate uh, pet owners and veterinarians to what you do, and that's the reason why we have to keep that in mind and we can't market canine rehabilitation. We can't market canine rehabilitation. I have talked about that many times before because not not all rehab is the same. Okay, and along with that, I hope that uh, as you hear her story, you know, you also uh, get some takeaways from why she decided to start learning about business while she was still getting certified as a canine rehab therapist and what were the pros and the cons from that decision. Okay, because I do that that question quite often for folks that are either about to start their CCRT or are in the midst of it. They're like, when is a good time to learn about business? 
okay and and hopefully you can hear Kelsey's story and 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 see you know how helpful it was for her to learn about business before actually finishing her certification okay and then growing a business growing a mobile canine rehab business and getting busy very fast despite not having a single direct direct veterinary referral for the first six months you know not having a single vet directly be like yes go work with this canine rehab therapist over here for six months and she was still able to get very busy and we also have talked about this in in many episodes before too that uh, uh veterinary referrals are a great way to get patients don't get me wrong but they're very challenging to do so especially as you're starting your own business but unfortunately sometimes i see uh, new business owners focusing so much on how to try to get veterinary referrals sent their way and not spend enough time into learning and developing other marketing strategies and i'm not saying to completely disregard building relationship with veterinary clinics of course because that's very important but that should be just one part of your marketing strategy okay and there's a lot more that we can do in terms of marketing to get you patients okay and then the final takeaway i want you to take from this interview is failing forward the concept of failing forward of understanding that yeah we don't want to fail but it is going to happen but we can learn from those failed experiences and just get back on the saddle. And I'm not saying that's easy, but as business owners, that is extremely important to have that mindset that not everything is going to go your own way. Not everything is going to go right. But as long as you look at it as a learning opportunity and you figure out how to get back on track, you're going to be in a very good position in the long run. Okay, so thank you so much for joining us for another podcast episode and let's go to the interview okay today i am very honored to have dr kelsey jonas uh, with us today kelsey is a doctor of physical therapy and a certified canine rehabilitation therapist she runs her own business in portland called canine pt and me so kelsey thanks so much for joining us today of course i'm so glad um I mean, I've been with you for what, four years now. So this is exciting yeah. to kind of see all the growth that we've both had and kind yeah. of where I've started and where I am now. <laughs> um, yeah. It's so. definitely, yeah, it's definitely very exciting. We're definitely going to touch on a lot of that because I feel by uh, one of the reasons I wanted you to be on this podcast was to share your story, share your journey, because I have a feeling a lot of people are going to connect with that. So uh, let's start by t- telling uh, the listeners a little bit more about, you know, you and your business and kind of like, how did you come across canine rehabilitation and what led you then to make that transition from human PT to canine rehab? Um, so I started as a human PT and knew in my first year that I could not do this for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, and so I had vaguely remembered one of my classmates in PT school had mentioned canine rehab and she was like, Hey, did you guys know you could do PT for dogs? And it never like crossed my mind after that point. I was just a passing comment and then it popped back in my head and you know a year into practicing with humans and I was just you know I think I should look into that rather than trying to go back to school for something completely different from burnout of working in a corporate setting and 
took all my PTO and got my um, CCRT in 2019 and best decision ever made. Um, and I, I found it very easy to transition actually from humans to canines um, just because the we know what rehab is. We know how to evaluate. We know how to come up with a treatment plan and um, progress or regress a patient. So um, I found it very, very easy. And their anatomy is surprisingly similar. If you put a person right. on hands and knees, we get a dog. So um, it it was great. Um, best decision I ever made. And then I didn't expect to have my own business. Um, that was that just seemed like the the right path for me to go um, at the time is, you know, th- these jobs are not that frequent that you come across a canine physical therapy position. So, um, and for me in Portland, there was no PTs doing rehab. Um, and I decided to start my own mobile practice and I'm still mobile to this day. Um, that's future goals is to, um, have a clinic space probably this year is to really look for a clinic space. Um, but yeah, it, it was, I would recommend working for yourself. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think, I think that was another thing of why I didn't do well in human practices is just having the strict structure of, hitting numbers and productivity and everything like that. And how many more patients can you see in a day? Mm -hmm. So being able to control your own schedule and your own patient population and your own clientele that come attached to the dog. And it's, it's so, it was just like a breath of fresh air, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even the fact that, you know, I think when we start talking about, yeah, productivity numbers and this and that every, every physical therapist listening to this podcast probably starts having like a little panic attack, but, (laughs) but, but even the fact that like, when you, when we're treating animals, when we're treating dogs, like we, we can't be seeing two, three patients at the same time anyway. So by nature, everything that we do, even if you have a clinic and you're not mobile, is going to be that one-to-one that it is what a lot of PTs kind of like, even if they're not going into animal rehab, but if they're running a cash-based business or whatever it may be, that's what they're striving for. It's that more one-to-one, more individualized, you know, kind of care that we can get with canines. Um, But yeah, so you, you already touched on, 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 on a lot of points that we can kind of like expand on during, um, today's podcast but one thing that that i thought it was interesting was that um you know it's a little bit similar to my story too where you were already a human pt for about a year or so when you decided to kind of like yeah let me really look into it now which was about the same time frame that i was at but one thing you mentioned that i think a lot of uh 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 uh, PTs, but potentially even vets too, but anyone who, you know, is an employee would find themselves is the fact that you had to use your own PTO to basically uh, uh, take the certification course. And I know sometimes one of the biggest holdbacks that I hear from people is the time commitment that it takes to get certified is not just a one, two day, you know, weekend program. So, but from what you, you said too, it was definitely worth it to make that sacrifice then, right? Yeah. And I think when I went through the CCRT and then you also, Fran, um, the courses were longer. They've, they've. And what they are um, right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like literally all of my PTO uh, for an entire year to take the courses, but now it's a lot more feasible because they're shorter classes. They have you do more online before you get to class so that you're 
you're already hearing things and hearing the information. So, um, but yeah, I absolutely, I would do it a thousand times again yeah. to like dedicate all of my PTO to do this is what I love and would never take anything back. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely worth it, but it's, it's true. I forgot about that. That used to be longer. I think when I went through in 2014, uh, it was a total, I think like 14 days of like in-person class. Yeah. Then yep. with, with COVID and kind of like forced uh, the transition to be a more like hybrid model, which I feel is definitely has helped, you know, uh, quite a bit, quite a bit as well. Yeah. And then the, the, the other thing you talked about was a little bit of that transition, right? From human physical therapy to canine rehab, where it wasn't as uh, challenging as you would have expected because you basically took what you did as a human PT, like you said, the evaluation, the exercise progression, the way that you see a patient, and you just apply that, you know, to the canine uh, rehab world. But what would you say were the main challenges of making that transition from humans to canines? Um, I always say the biggest challenge I had was, I mean, because I was starting my own business and I was the sole practitioner, it's not like you have coworkers to bounce ideas off of, um, just learning the dog's behaviors and like them talking to you with their behavior. Um, cause as a physical therapist, like vets that do rehab, uh, it's a little bit different because they're more involved in that aspect, but for PTs, uh, we talk to people and you don't know what a subtle little like nuance of a dog might mean in the beginning, or at least I didn't. So, Mm -hmm. um, that it literally took me probably about a year to feel completely solid and comfortable with that kind of the dog's communication with us. Um, but now I'm teaching the owners of what those little things are and they're like, Oh yeah. Like, okay. (laughs) I see that. That's what you mean. (laughs) Right. It's like, it's like funny. Like, now that's nor- like not uh, normal is not the right word, but that's easy for you to pick up on those things to point it out to people, right? Yeah. Um, but but that's true. I think the dog behavior, the dog handling component, is yeah. probably like a big challenge for PTs, and that's why when, especially when PT students kind of like ask me, like, "Hey, what can I be doing?" You know, to kind of like put myself in a good position. I tell them like the best thing you can do right now, it's learning that learning dog mm-hmm. behavior, uh, a dog handling. Um, I don't know if you did anything yourself to, to help with that, but me, what I did back in 2014, yeah, back in 2014, when I was going through my certification, I basically would volunteer for about a two to four hours a week at the Western Pennsylvania Humane Society. Cause we were living in Pittsburgh at that point. I would volunteer as a mm-hmm. dog walker. And I would go and I got some training for it, but nothing in depth, but I would just go and just kind of like take the, the dogs that were in the shelter out for a walk. And, yeah. and for, for me personally, that was super helpful because yeah, I was very comfortable with my own dog, but you know, my dog, like, you know, very friendly, no issues kind of stuff. But suddenly when I had to deal with dogs who were in a stressful environment, who were kind of anxious, who were unsure about a stranger coming in to take them for a walk and also different sizes, different shapes of dogs, it definitely helped me feel a lot kind of like more comfortable. So I don't know, do do you have any uh, anything that you want to pass along from your experience into learning that to to the listeners of the podcast? I personally didn't do anything like that, but I, I do recommend that to people that reach out or ask about it, um, is, you know, dog shelters or go visit your friend's dogs and play Mm -hmm. with them or just watch them walk and move and see how they interact. Um, 
I wish that I had more resources. Um, I feel like there's more resources out there now, but I didn't do anything. I just a little bit at a time paying attention to my mistakes that I made with my patients. Mm -hmm. And um, there was one instance I'll never forget. Um, It was a little Corgi. Uh, She was 10 years old and she was there. Her nickname was monster. So I should have known (laughs) at that point. Um, But she, I knew the second that I made eye contact with her, that was the biggest mistake. And she literally launched at my face. She just like bopped me with her nose. She didn't come with me, come at me with teeth, but I was like, yep, that's what you don't do. (laughs) So just, I mean, hopefully that doesn't happen to anybody else listening, but um, yeah, Yeah. you know, you learn stuff, unfortunately. Yeah. And if you get, yeah, if you, if you see like, yeah, if you see a patient on your schedule named monster, you should be like, wait, (laughs) what? And, and the the monster is not this giant mastiff is just this little tiny dog. It should be like a a tail sign, but, but it's funny too, because sometimes uh, um, like people, you know, think, especially PTs, but even pet owners too. Sometimes I don't know if it happens to you, but a lot of times, uh, you know, when I'm treating their dogs, you know, the pet owners ask me, you know, oh, is every dog food motivated? Is that, you know, how are the sessions with other dogs? People like talking about that. They're curious about that. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes they ask me, it's like, what are sometimes the hardest dogs to deal with? And a lot of them tend to think it's the larger dogs. And I tell them, it's like, no, those are probably <laughs> one of the easiest ones. Yeah. But you you, you get me the eight, 10 pound chihuahua that's feisty <laughs> and stuff that it like, you can't even get close to them. Those are the challenging ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just came from my last patient and they were like, do you ever get bit? And I was like, oh, all the time. I mean, not on purpose, but teeth, right. teeth on my fingers all the time. <laughs> yeah. The little nips kind of stuff yep. yeah, for sure. It does happen. Um, so then let's shift a little bit, you know, to business ownership, because you mentioned at the top that that you didn't expect to, uh, you know, become a business owner, but it was mm-hmm. where you kind of like found yourself. So yeah. if you wouldn't mind expanding a little bit on that and, and what was that led you towards uh, opening your own business? Well, having you as my mentor, Fran, um, had a big thing to do with that because just realizing the the need for canine rehab and the lack of available resources. Um, I mean, I absolutely inquired with the couple of vets that do rehab in my area to see if they were hiring, but both of their practices were not what I would have pictured as my ideal uh, practice. So I wanted to kind of take what I learned from them and create my own, which is what I consider is rehab. Um, Excuse me. So I started my own business. I decided mobile was probably the easiest to do because when you're starting from nothing, it's not like you have a lot of funds to go into a building space. Um, And got a really low overhead and I go to people's homes and obviously Mm -hmm. people love the convenience of it. So Mm -hmm. um, it, it just worked out. And I started my very first patient was April of 2020. Um, so it grew actually exponentially through COVID, which was a blessing. Um, and I'm, you know, trying to hire another therapist. Um, I have an administrative person that works for me remotely and, um, things have been going smoothly so far. Awesome. So, so, so yeah, so, uh, uh, a couple of things here. So one, one thing I was going to bring it up was what you said there last, uh, 
that your first patient was in April 2020. So, so a, a couple of things I wanted to kind of like discuss about that. The, the first thing is the fact that, yes, your, your first patient was in April 2020. So going into almost uh, three years now, right? Yeah, almost three mm-hmm. years now of being a business owner. But as you alluded in the very beginning, we have been kind of been working together now for four years. So mm-hmm. you started this process of learning about business, learning how to go about that actually while you're going through your, your canine rehab certification training. Yeah. So tell us more a, a little bit about that. What, what was you, we, we talked about what led you towards getting the certification, but then how was that process of actually deciding to learn about business at the same time, rather than just waiting and be like, you know what, let me finish this first. And then I'm going to try to figure it out this business stuff. I actually like retrospectively looking, I love the way that I went about everything. Um, I felt so lost and so out of place being like, I don't even know the name for my business, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, going through the coursework and learning from people and the network of canine rehab therapists and just meeting people all over the country and being involved in this close knit community that you've created, Fran, um, it really helped and supported me. Um, so I think it was super beneficial to go through learning more of the business side of things first, even as I was still learning my skills of canine rehab, because then you can just hit the ground running when you Mm -hmm. start your business or when you start to practice, it's like, okay, everything, I have everything I need now. It's just, how do we get patients? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then you were able you know, once you started getting your patients, like I said, in April, despite what was going on with the world at that point in time, you were able to, to, to grow, you know, fairly significantly, fairly fast. But yeah, let's talk about that. Cause one of the things that, you know, so Kelsey came to Chicago, it was uh, the last week, I think of February of 2020. And she did her CCRT internship here with me. And it's just funny because every year, I have a Facebook memory that posts that Aww. pops up when we went and, and met with Natasha and my wife yeah. at the at the the, the bar at, uh, after your last day. Yeah. And it was just funny to like I, I remember looking at that picture uh, uh, you know almost a year ago now every time it pops up and just things like oh my god look at like the whole world was about to change in just a couple <laughs> of weeks but because that was the last time for over a year that I actually went out to dinner. That was like the last, yeah, yeah. And that's why sometimes it catches my attention for Uh the longest time, Britt and I didn't go to restaurants and stuff. And that was the very last, last time that we did. Yeah. Pre-COVID. Yeah. But, but then you, you know, you got your CCRT in March of 2020 and then you were officially open for business and then COVID happened. So not only you had the challenges of just being a new business owner, but you had the challenge of being a new business owner along with everything that was going on. So mm-hmm. tell, tell us more about what challenges you encountered and what was maybe some of the lessons learned during that time period that you can share with us. Um, well, my first canine patient was actually a previous human patient of mine, her pet. Um, so that was kind of an easy way to start out with treating patients and then she was super pro you know canine rehab so she was like i'll spread the word i'll tell everybody i know and um so word of mouth helped 
a lot in the beginning because um, I honestly didn't even reach out to vet clinics probably at least six to eight months into practicing. Um, I think I had really good visibility on Google. So people would just Google and find my website and mm-hmm. reach out to me that way was was how people would find me initially. Because I mean, the, the biggest challenge as a new one physical therapist and not a vet and then crossing into the veterinary world to do canine rehab and now introducing yourself to all these vet clinics and surgical places. They're like, well, who are you? How do we know we can trust you? Um, That was probably the scariest part as, is that is like, well, I don't know if my skills are good enough. I think they are. So I should be able to prove that to the vets and slowly, slowly, but surely, you know, you get in with a couple of vet clinics and they're like, oh yeah, my, my patients are doing better because of the rehab and this person, Kelsey seems pretty good. Um, so that was probably the biggest kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say challenge, but just scary thing for me. Um, and I'm not terribly one to put myself out there free willy nilly and just be Mm -hmm. okay with it. So that also is like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is what Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time. Um, And with business and owning the business, it's taught me to kind of uh, take the leaps of faith and be okay with the leaps of faith. Uh, You know, you educate your your guests as much as possible and do your research as much as possible, but you always have to take that last little leap. And that you know, being a business owner has taught me that that's okay, and I'm comfortable being uncomfortable with those leaps of faith and everything has worked out for me, um, with huge leaps of faith like that so far. And, um, that's probably my biggest piece of advice for people. Cause I'm a very type A person. I like to be organized and <laughs> have to be calculated and all this stuff. And yeah. it's not that at all with, with running a business. Um, it, you just have to learn to balance. Right. And I remember, yes. yeah, I remember some of our uh, earlier calls when, yeah, you, you would come, you know, wanting all these very specific plans <laughs> on this and that, you know, kind of stuff and definitely have adapted through the years, but yeah, but I, I feel you and I are very different in that part that you are more type a more structured mm-hmm. kind of stuff and i'm like the completely opposite of that i just kind of like go with the flow and figure it out yeah. but the one thing i think that you share that we do have very in common it's just being a more reserved kind of person and just kind of like not feeling very comfortable putting yourself out there yeah. to be honest and that was something i struggled with a lot and and people think like like, you know, oh, but friend, you have a podcast, you have the social media and this and that, but I'm, I'm a very reserved person. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm okay talking about something that I'm passionate about, like, like, like this, yeah. but just putting myself out there for like in a situation where it might feel very uncomfortable, like trying to build this relationship with veterinary clinics out of the nothing kind of yeah. stuff for me was very uncomfortable um, as well. Mm-hmm. And you touched, you touched on something that, it's interesting because, you know, we have vets and PTs, you know, coming into this field and we all have our own challenges, right? And that's sometimes something that I've noticed that sometimes uh, uh, vets think PTs have it harder and vice versa, but we all just have our own challenges. So you mentioned, for example, your challenge was building the trust of the vet community mm-hmm. to the fact that you are a PT and you, and you were at that point in time, the first PT in your area doing this. Yeah. So there weren't, 
you know, there was a couple of vets doing, but there were no PTs. So they weren't used to that aspect of referring to a PT. And, yeah. and I've shared before that I, I, I encountered the same issue when I opened the business where vets, in the other hand, they still have to also build that trust with their local vet community, but it's a little bit of the opposite where the vets, the struggle is not with the trust in terms of their skills, but in terms of that the, the rehab vet is not going to quote unquote steal their clients that, you know, that's what a lot of uh, uh, general practice veterinarians feel afraid of referring then to rehab vets because of that yeah. fear of like, well, suddenly they're going to then just be more comfortable with you and you're going to do the general practice kind of stuff. So I feel it's important for all of us to work towards building that trust. And each one of us is going to have, you know, our own, um, you know, set of challenges with that. So yeah. how, uh, so then I'll, I'll be curious to hear then that was the challenge over the first six to eight months. And then how did, how did that, how did you overcome that challenge and now build up some very good, solid relationship with the, the vets around your area? Um, it actually started with a surgeon, which is kind of almost a little bit more scary <laughs> than just a, a regular, um, that clinic, but, uh, it was kind of by fluke that I had a problem patient, more like a problem client, um, <laughs> and consulted with the vet or the surgeon about the patient and her and I had this kind of invisible relationship that we would start to kind of refer dogs back and forth to each other. And then we finally spoke on the phone one day and we're like, yeah, you're kind of cool. So <laughs> we're actually friends, um, outside of, you know, referring to each other, but it started with that. And then, um, slowly a couple of vet clinics. Um, I mean, cause in the state of Oregon, we need to get a assigned veterinary referral form. So reaching out to the vet clinics and kind of explaining what we're doing in a, a nice concise manner so that the vet feels comfortable signing the referral form, um, I think helped them feel more at ease. And to be honest, whether or not they read it or, or didn't, but I've never had an issue with getting a signed referral form back. Um, so I don't know, it just, it slowly started trickling in like that. And, mm -hmm. um, and then when I more officially like reached out to vet clinics, um, I made a letter and kind of explained who I was, how my business is and, um, you know, kind of talked to them about their clinic and, you know, using like a really awesome vet practice that takes care of their patients. And I'd love to Granted, it was COVID, so I couldn't really do lunch and learns or like meet people in person, um, which was my plan, but that mm -hmm. got derailed. Um, so just communicating and staying in in communication with the vet clinics over, I don't know, every couple of months or so, reaching out to them and just asking if they need anything, want anything. Um, and I think I sent my business card and maybe a brochure and then a couple of clinics would reach out and be like, hey, could you send some more brochures and business cards, you know, we have some, some clients that we think could use these. So, and we've just done that ever since, you know, within the first year of practice. And, um, now we have a pretty solid, uh, you know, network of vet clinics and surgery places and people know of me like, mm -hmm. and doctors and everything. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like compound interest basically, right? You start yeah. doing that little by little and now, you know, three years into business ownership, the, the compound interest just basically keeps kind of like building it up. And, and that's what I try to tell people. It's not like I'm against veterinary referrals. It's that right. it, it is a slower 
process. It is a, a building trust takes kind of like time, you know. Yeah. And 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 one thing you brought it up that I feel is very important to point it out is that it's not just about focusing on the new partnerships we, you can build with vet clinics around you, but also yeah. about uh, uh, nurturing the relationships that you have and the fact that every two to three months you go back to some of those clinics and you check on them, you check on how you can help them, what mm -hmm. else they need from you kind of stuff. Because I feel sometimes we just get so focused on, oh, I need more veterinary partners. I need more clinics to, to refer to me instead of realizing that we don't need that many. Right. Yeah. So especially, you know, you're, you, you know, even if you're not a mobile business, but you're a mobile business. So mm -hmm. a busy, a busy schedule for you on a monthly basis would be like what, 80 to 90 or so appointments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you realize that it's, it's not a high volume business. So you don't need to have 15 to 20 veterinary referrals right. a month. Like as long as you have a handful of those, plus some word of word of mouth referrals, some uh, people finding you on Google or this or that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So then you realize that it's like, oh, it doesn't have to be this kind of like big, overwhelming, you know, thing. Yeah, I think like if I were to say officially how many vet clinics, they're, they're actually more the surgical centers. Um, it's probably, I know for sure to refer to me but that's like most people just find me on Google. So it's really not even mm -hmm. the vet clinics that are referring specifically to me. I mean, it's more people thinking outside the box, like, oh, well, I had PT for a knee issue. So can mm -hmm. my dog have that rather than surgery or a, a brace or something? So it's right. people being clever and creative is what I find in my area, at least. Right, right. Well, and then the fact that you build up the systems, and I, and I mean, by systems, I mean your website, your your intake phone calls, and the way yeah. you structure everything in a way that like makes Google work for you, right? Yeah. Be because of we, we worked together on building that up too, which yeah. it, it really kind of like goes, you know, hand in hand. And yeah, for me too, Google Google is like 50% of, of, of our leads, you know, come from yeah. Google. And I know like the majority of my students is, is, it's basically the same, the mm -hmm. same way. And, yeah. and, and not saying it's cheap and it's easy to get that Google president presence, but it's much easier than it is if you are running a, a regular veterinary clinic or if you're running a, a human physical therapy business, because yeah. the, the competition within Google for you to be on the top of the page or for you to at least be on those top three ones that show up when people Google, you know, canine rehab near me or whatever it may be, it's, it's mm -hmm. much less competitive. So it's much easier yeah. to get to the top of the search uh, yeah. engine. Totally. Um, okay, cool. So then, um, you know, now you are in a different phase of the business, right? So you, 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 you are, you know, completing your third year of business ownership. And, and as the business, you said, grew afterwards, it, it also came along with new challenges and yeah. stuff. So tell us a bit more, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with, where, where kind of like the business is right now, what has been some of the lessons learned then that, that you wouldn't mind kind of like sharing with folks? Um, well, last year, which would have been the I guess the, yeah, the third year, um, of the business, uh, was very challenging. I mean, as you grow, 
like, like you said, you know, you have a whole set of new challenges and when you hire staff and now have to deal with people again, it's, um, different I'll say, um, you know, I, I had been looking for a therapist early last year. I had found one and it didn't end up working out. And then I had found an administrative person full-time, um, that also did not end up working out. So, you know, I, I take, um, fault in those things as well for the interview process and those types of things. But I've learned a lot from just the hiring process and who to look for, how to look for them. Um, and I'm kind of in the spot again to be looking for another therapist and trying to go about the process slightly differently, um, to ideally find someone who wants to be in this field and wants to work in this field long-term, um, and isn't just looking at one aspect of it. So um, I think just managing people becomes a new set of challenges. And then I have not had the challenge yet of finding a clinic space. I was looking for a space last year also when I had another therapist. Um, and then I had to stop that when she left. Um, so I'm sure that brings on a whole new host of, of other things to deal with, of building space and maintenance and then people too. So we'll, mm -hmm. we'll see, we'll cross that bridge ideally this year, but I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, it, it, it does. And that's the thing. It, it, it creates a different, uh, different skill set that we have to develop as business owners. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the funny thing, uh, at least I can speak to myself is like, you know, I remember when I was starting my business, it's like, all I wanted, it was just to get busy and, and make canine rehab my thing that not yeah. a side gig, not like anything I did on the side, just, just my thing. Right. And, and, and I was going to be happy if I accomplished that. And then I accomplished that you accomplished that. Mm -hmm. But, but then, you know, since for, for different reasons, I wanted it more, right. It, it brought new things that I had to get better at. And, and, and I've shared this a lot with, you know, with you and my other mentees on like the biggest, thing I had to learn over the last uh, 18 months or so, it, it, it was, it has been the people management, you mm -hmm. know, because that's, that's very challenging. And, yeah. and that's not a skill set that I had. It's not a skill set that most of us have, right. you know, but suddenly, just like I had to learn about marketing, had to learn about other stuff in the beginning, then it became, okay, now I got to get better, you know, about this. Um, you know, kind of stuff. But one thing I wanted to kind of like point it out from what you shared is that, yes, things didn't go your way in some of those experiences, but mm -hmm. you're not, you're not letting that stop you. And I wanted that to serve as a motivation for both you and the listeners too, that you're, you're back on the saddle and you're trying to figure it out. Okay. How do I keep moving forward? You know, yeah. once again, and, and I don't want you or anyone else listening to take that for granted because, I have seen so many times business owners then getting stuck because they have a failed experience, especially when it comes to employees. They had mm -hmm. one, they had two, they had three failed experiences with it. And then suddenly they just like, you know what? I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to kind of like reclude myself to, 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 to be my own thing, which yeah. that's, you know, if that's what you want, that's totally fine. But if mm -hmm. that's not what you want, then over time, what I've noticed is just starts creating some resentment with the business that then you, 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 you know, I, I keep hearing sometimes people in the field 
complaining about the fact that they don't have help and stuff, but it's mostly, not mostly, but a big reason is because they never got back on the saddle to try to kind of like make this work. So, you know, props for you to kind of like, yeah, pushing forward with that. Yeah, it was, I mean, I will admit I was a bit butthurt about it. Um, But knowing that this business is my baby and I've created it and it's been successful, I had to keep going and figure out a way. Like it was, uh, the timing of the other therapist leaving was actually a blessing because I had just come back from a, a long trip. So it wasn't like I was taking on one and a half caseloads or anything. It, I was able to manage all the patients. So that would have been terrible if, I mean, I still would have figured it out, but mm-hmm. if it was many, many, many more patients than, than we had at the time. So um, yeah. And I just, I kind of took a little step back, to be honest, to kind of focus on, all right, what are my goals? Where do I really want to go? And when is the right time to start looking to hire again? So um, now is that time. (laughs) Yeah, no, and that's good. It's good they took that step back and able to kind of like reflect because I feel it's going to put you in a position to, 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 to really, you know, succeed moving forward. So, so that's wonderful. Okay. And then, um, as we're getting close to kind of like wrapping it up, um, do you have any pros of wisdoms, anything you want to share with someone who, you know, is, is, is potentially on that journey that you have been on potentially like, yeah, a physical therapist who is thinking about making that transition or, or a, a, a vet or a PT who is going through the certification right now, but are finding themselves a little bit lost in terms of like, where am I going to work, you know, and like that kind of stuff. Do you have anything else that we didn't talk about that you'd like to share? Um, I, I would say try to, involve yourself or find as many resources or the Facebook groups um, because it really is a small knit community even across the globe Um, and that was kind of my first thing I did is like how do I get more involved to get to know people in this field because I don't have colleagues I don't have coworkers Mm -hmm. I can just turn to and ask a question so Mm -hmm. how can I build relationships with other people that are doing what I'm doing and learn from them or when it came to like um, measuring for wheelchairs for, for patients, you know, how do I do this and who do I ask? And, um, just having a good network and community around you, I think is probably my biggest advice. Um, and, and you'll meet some pretty awesome people (laughs) that are really, really smart and know a lot about canine rehab. Yeah. And that's, I feel the, the cool thing about technology. I feel like when I, When I made the transition back in 2014, 2015, there wasn't really much information out out there at all, you know, and now you have a few different, you know, Facebook groups that you can kind of like join, like I said, so that way you don't feel so lonely because it can feel a little bit lonely sometimes, Um, you know, you're you're not not only you're mobile, but, you know, which it's kind of like adds another layer to feeling lonely sometimes, but yeah. The fact that you, yeah, like I said, you don't have a coworker, you don't have a colleague right there with you that you can kind of like bounce back ideas. But the fact that you have a community, a Facebook group or someone you can reach out to and be like, hey, like any any tips on, the, on this case? Or like I said, fit in a wheelchair. Like, how do I go about it? And yeah, definitely yeah. build that community around. It's, it's a great advice. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So then... Um, 
Anything else you want to share about the canine PT and me and how can people find about it? Let's say they are a physical therapist out there, um, you know, in the, um, in the, the, the Portland area that want to kind of like potentially reach out to you, connect with you, or maybe someone who is not from the area, but it's like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to move in and practice around the area. Tell, tell us more how they can find you and reach out to you. Honestly, I get quite a handful of people that do just randomly email me questions uh, or are like, hey, do you have a job shadow or a job available? Mm -hmm. um, so I, my website is k9ptandme.com. And my email address is the best way to get a hold of me is rehabinfo at k9ptandme.com. Um, so sending me an email is probably the best way to get a hold of me. And I will certainly uh respond at in my all of my free time um in the evenings that's how people reach out they the find free, the email the free time you have between 11 p.m and 5 a.m right right yes <laughs> that i should be sleeping <laughs> no but but that's wonderful and like yeah it's 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 great that people are reaching out so i feel like yeah the same happens to us over here and it just shows that People are looking for this information, and 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 for the folks yeah. that are interested on that, uh, one thing I would say is definitely go out and shadow. Like I feel shadowing is the best experience. I feel you shared a little bit earlier in the call as well that one of the reasons why you went about opening Canine PT and Me was because of the fact that you shadow, you observed at a couple of locations, and it didn't really blend with you and your mm -hmm. style of therapy kind of stuff. So yeah. definitely shadow, shadow for a potential job opportunity, shadow to see if this is what you want to do, right? Yeah. I, I have had, I don't know if this has happened with you, but I have had a therapist who came to shadow with us, shadow with me, you know, because they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I want to work with dogs and this and that. But then they spend a the day with us. And for whatever reason, one reason or the other, they realize that, you know what? Like, actually, this is not, this is not me. This is not yeah. what I want to do it. So definitely before you jump in, and, 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 and spend, you know, the time and stuff getting certified, just go and shadow. It's not only going to help you figure out if that's what you want to do, but also help you start meeting people and networking with people in the field as well, too. Yeah. And I also did want to say with the contacting me, um, I am an internship site for CRI, the Canine Rehab Institute for people going through their CCRT certification. So I do take interns, um, mm -hmm for their internship, just, just like you do. So yeah. um, if people want to come out to Portland and hang out yeah. with me. And you took, you have taken how, how many interns now? Double digits? Yeah. And I have a slew coming these next yeah. couple of months. So yeah, you have taken a lot of interns and stuff. So definitely, yeah. you know, even a lot of the people who, who go on and like uh, take some of my programs and stuff with business, they, they go and do Kind of like the internship with you so highly uh, you know recommend yeah. looking up calcium can me for for the internship as well um wonderful so i'll put those links to your website and the email on the show notes as well so everyone can kind of like check it out and follow uh but 
Thanks, Kelsey. I really appreciate you joining us today and sharing your journey, sharing your lessons. Um, I'm super excited. It's just crazy to think that, yeah, it's going to be like four years since kind of like our paths crossed. And it has been amazing to see what you have built during that time, but especially what you have built over the last three years of business ownership and how much you have grown and and how you're kind of like pushing forward and, and accomplishing things, not just with your business, but like you said, things that you you are doing as an internship site and as an instructor instructor and all that kind of stuff. So very, very cool to see that. Um, you know, just 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 keep it up. Very proud of you. Thank you. I do owe it all to you, Fran, and thank you so much for having me today. No, I appreciate let me say I appreciate that, but I no, you don't <laughs> you don't owe me anything. But I I, I I, I appreciate the support and everything that, you know, I, I, like I'm just, it just makes me happy to see you and other people, you know, succeed and make this their thing kind mm. of stuff, you know, but no one owes me anything. No. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, Kelsey. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the K9 PT Academy podcast business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapist if you enjoyed what we had to say please make sure to share or subscribe to our podcast or even leave us a review you can also email us at hello at caninptacademy.com that's hello at caninptacademy.com with any questions or suggestions and go to caninptacademy.com to find more resources and content including our fee calculator spreadsheets which is absolutely free and will help you determine how much you should be charging for your sessions because let's face it determining what we should be charging is one of the biggest struggles we have as business owners in the canine rehabilitation field you can also find all of that information and more under the show notes Finally, I would just like to add a disclaimer that any of my thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are mine and mine alone, and in no way reflect the opinion or position of any other organization or company I may be associated with. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you're not having fun and enjoying life or running your business, then what's the point in doing so? So please go ahead and start having some fun.